gold. Now what we're going to do is we're going to measure gold. We're going to put the price of gold up here because a lot of people consider the price of gold uh, to be a valid measure of preserving wealth, maintaining um, uh, preventing from your money from depreciating, right? And when you look at this thing, when money goes from $100 to, oh, sorry, when, not money, when US dollar goes from $100 to $3.70, that's a currency, right? That's not money because one of the things money has to be has to be a good store of value. And currency is not a good store of value so when the when that saying comes along that says cash is money it is true you need to be liquid right but cash is only money for short periods of time you don't want to be in cash too long right we'll talk about this a little bit more when we graph some of these things but let's put gold on here in 1900 right gold was twenty dollars and 67 cents so gold I'm gonna put this $20 and 67 cents okay and this is gold put this guy this way gold so let's put gold as gold Use the gold marker. So this is gold. Okay. So gold was $20.67. And what we're going to do here, we're not going to adjust for inflation. We're not going to, because $20.67 in 1900, in 2017 dollars, was, was $517, right? So $20 was equivalent your purchasing power if you take this into consideration, right? So if you had this money, not money, I keep the wrong, using the wrong word, but this currency, if you had your wealth in this, right? And inflation was doing this, right? If we we're gonna measure how much $20.67 was equivalent to in these dollars it was worth 517 dollars right but we're just going to use the value there this is 10 here this tick so 20 is around here right so if you put you know you bought 20 dollars worth of gold in 1900 and the government didn't confiscate, confiscate your gold in this period because the U.S. government, there's a, a period in 19... Uh, I wrote this down. I knew this history before. Um, oh, I wrote it down in the previous iteration. I didn't copy it over to this one because I wasn't going to talk about it. But there was a certain period, a few years here, uh, during World War II where the U.S. government confiscated everyone's gold, right? And sort of everyone had to take it into the banks and the banks took that gold in at this price and then a few years later the government raised the price of gold because this was not fluctuating the way or controlled the world it was completely controlled it was set it was set in stone right now it's supposed to be fluctuating based on market principles but it's really not it's sort of controlled as well in a big way but in during the World War II period, or build up to World War II, the U.S. government confiscated people's gold, and the banks took them in. And a few years later, the banks sold them a higher value, right? So they made pretty good money, pretty good returns, considering the amount of time involved, right? So twenty dollars—if you put twenty dollars and sixty-seven cents of gold in nineteen hundred, right now gold is trading at uh, a few days ago, anyway. When I looked this up. Is trading at $1,230, right? So let's put that on here. Oops, took off the wrong side. $1,230. Right? So this is 1000 this is 1000 2000 is up here because that's 10000 So $1,230 is like pretty close to 1000 
let's say it's about here. Okay. So right now, if we just think about these as straight lines, this straight line, this was a bad place for you to be in. You would have lost, you lost everything because your purchasing power has also decreased, right? It's a double whammy. Your money, value of your money has decreased and your purchasing power has decreased. This is supposed to be a measure of this, but it's really not, okay? So keep this in mind. And gold basically mirrors this, right? To a certain degree. Because one thing we can do once we start putting things on graphs visually, uh, we can do a table format too, but it's more difficult to visualize the stuff in table format. What you can do is start uh, doing calculation, taking ratios, some stuff we're gonna talk about in series four of the language of mathematics. But what you can do is take the slope of this graph and take the slope of this graph, which is basically rise over run, right? And rise over run and see which one is a steeper slope. The one that's a steeper slope, if you're invested in it, that's better because it's giving you faster returns, right? So for this graph, for this visualization, what we're thinking about is which one is going to be a steeper slope, right? On the upside, not on the downside. This is one of the, the only one that I took or found where the price has decreased over time. I Actually, I think textiles I looked at as well, but I didn't really bother graphing that because that's very small scale and technology actually goes down as well the cost of technology goes down over time as well and that's really cool to look at but we're, we're going to take a look at it at a different time in a different video that we've set up for right so gold has gone from twenty dollars to twelve hundred dollars right and you can do a multiple of this right you could do this if you want to figure out what the multiple is for the cpi 244 divided by 8.9 that's 27.4 times and 1230 divided by 20.0 is 59 times right wow so if this is let's say this was 30 times this is 59 let's say 60 times so the slope of this even though that doesn't appear so right now because we're on a log scale right gold has increased twice as fast as the CPI, which is a good indication of gold based on government measures, based on measures, is a good place to store value, right? Is it a good currency? Do people, does everyone trade gold? I don't know how to, well, I do know, I did geology, so I have, I can test, test it, and figure out if it's gold, if it's malleable, right? If it's not metallic. You can figure out if something is gold. Uh, I know, uh, I've talked to someone where um, they said some people go to, if you wanna, if you wanna find, uh, use a method to find gold in places where there might be gold, right? You don't have to go out in the forest, into the rivers and start pan, pan as panhandling they call it, and start digging for gold. Some people take magnets and they go to thrift stores right and they take anything that's gold colored and they put a magnet to it and if it doesn't stick to it they buy it because gold is not magnetic it's not ferrous right i think it's ferrous if i remember terminology correctly then if magnet doesn't stick to it if it's really gold colored then it might be gold and that's one of the things you could use to go searching for gold right go look for treasure right so gold is a good place to preserve wealth based on CPI numbers. But this double slope really doesn't do anything to help you compensate for the price of, inf uh, price of tuitions going up, stuff like that, right? Now, the next measure we're gonna look at, we're gonna look at the S&P, S&P 500, the stock market, Wall Street. Sort of what we talked about in the previous video or reading Mr. Armstrong's article, right? So the S&P in 1900, okay, and this is uh, sort of, it wasn't called the S&P in 1900, it was called the Composite Index, and the Composite Index, uh, I found only one source which gave me the 1900 number. There's multiple sources I found for the 1920 number and stuff like this, but the 1900 number 
the S&P 500, if you want to think about it as the S&P 500, was 6.1. Okay. So 6.1 is under the 8, somewhere around here. I'm just going to put it far enough down that we can actually see. Here, let's move this guy a little bit higher up. Now we're a little bit more accurate, I guess, and get rid of that 10 value and give this guy room. Okay. So 6.8 or 6.1 is around here. Okay. Just a straight up SP value is the last time I look is 2459. 2000, let's say 2450, right? 400, oops, mock this one up, 2,450, 2,450, 2,450, and that guy, that's 1,000 here, this tick, so 2,000 is going to be up here. The slope of this is much better than the slope of the other two, that's for sure. Let's look at the multiple on this. 2,450 divided by 6.1. 401 is the multiple. 402 is the multiple, right? That's pretty good. Now, one thing with the S&P is you can't just... Well, you can. You could buy the S&P and just let it ride, right? But one thing with the S&P happens is the stock market, if you buy the right number of stocks, what happens is they give you dividends, money back, a certain percentage per year. And that's basically the main gist of our current economic system, which is just chasing growth. And that's a certain flaw in our economic system as well because everything, things don't grow in forever, right? So... Our current system, our current eco economy, is based on growth, and a certain percentage. I want to S and P. Let's put the S and P up here in our thing as well, right? So it's based on growth, and this slope is much better. But what happens with the S and P is there's certain stocks you can buy that give you dividends every year. So, you know, it varies, it fluctuates, it goes from anything from less than 1% up to like 6, 7, 8% more aggressive ones, right? But the average S&P return during this period, I looked it up, I, you know, seems a little sketchy, some of it, uh, because first of all, um, not, you know, no individual is going to be invested in for 117 years, it's not going to happen. It's going to be institutions to a certain degree, right? And what happens is, basically, if you take out uh, the inflation factors, the CPI, the devaluation of the currency, you lose a little bit of percent there as well, right? But one of the measures on the high end, if you include you getting dividends and not spending your dividends, because what happens, most people invest in dividend stocks because they get a certain amount of income they're called income stocks i believe they're called income stocks if I remember correctly and you get a certain percentage back every year and they use that as expense money right funds that they want to they live by right but if you on the extreme end if you invested 6.1 dollars right in 1900 in 1900 dollars in the s p and took out your dividend Right? You didn't reinvest that dividend. You just went for this growth. This is what you would have. right? But if you took that dividend, all of that dividend being given to you, and put it all back into play, right? and this is the concept of compound growth, the value jumps up a lot. And this is on the extreme side. And I found some numbers, and the calculation I did was um, I basically took it being a 7% growth. Okay, because average, I believe the dividend return for the S&P was 4%. Uh, 
uh, per year if you average it out for this period, for this period of time. Um, actually, it went for a shorter period of time, so I'm not sure even if dividends existed here. So we're thinking about absolute extreme. Okay, so four percent dividend return, and the growth rate was you know two point eight percent. So I took it to be seven percent growth, right? If you put six point one dollars in 1900 into the S&P at 7% growth for 117 years, that's what we're talking about, right? Your return was 16,000, okay? No one would have done this. Most people I, I know and that I've known that play Wall Street, play the stock market, um, they don't reinvest all dividends into the same play, same game. It wouldn't be a smart decision to do, but basically, well, it would be to a certain degree, depending on where you're in um, at certain points in life, I guess. But 1600 would be here. Okay, oops, squished it. Okay, that would be 1600. So your growth could either be this on the minimum side, if you took out all your dividends, or the growth would be this. And that multiple is whew, way more. One six zero 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 divided by 6.1 is 2,622 times return. That's very good. That's very good, right? Now, let's take a look at some other measures. Okay. On the same level, if we take a look at, uh, and I took this and it comes up, um, the reason I took this because this company has is having a huge role to play in our current political and economic system, but basically Renaissance Technologies is a tech company that was started, not a tech company, it was an investment company, uh, hedge fund managers basically, that came about because of the advent of technology, because of the advent of computing, what we talked about in the previous video, right? Really, this is, all these videos are sort of connected, right? Which Martin Armstrong talked about, right? Behind the curtain, the full Monty, how automation came into play in our current political economic system. And this company has had a huge role to play in our current political and economic system. They were one of the main backers of both parties uh, in the United States last year or this year, I guess, last year, I guess, right? So they were one of the main backers, main players, and policymakers to a certain degree because those funding an election get to decide the policy of that governing body to a certain degree, right? So this company came about in 1900s, uh, not 1900s, 1980s, right because of the advent of technology computer power okay and what they were able to do they were able to come up with programs to do trading on a more frequent basis on a, uh, use algorithms right and their return from 19 their main fund one of their main funds from 1994 okay if you invested $100 with them in 1994, 100. Ninety-four. I'm just gonna put a little dash ninety-four. Is that gonna show up? I don't know if it's gonna show up for you guys. Right. One hundred dollars and that's ninety-four. Right? In nineteen ninety-four, so we're talking about this is 2020, 2010, 2000, 1990, right? 1994 is here. So if you invested here, $100, about here. And we're talking you right here. Somewhere around here anyway. If you invested $100 in 1994 in this fund, if you were given the opportunity to do so, your return, $100 would have gotten you back $22,661. Okay. 
right? <laughs> Twenty-two thousand six hundred and sixty-one dollars. Okay. Twenty-two thousand. That's oh, sixteen thousand is not up here. My apologies, gang. If this is ten thousand, that's twenty thousand, right? So sixteen is here. My bad. Somewhere around here anyway, right? So twenty-two thousand six hundred and sixty-one dollars is higher than this. So that's ten thousand, twenty thousand goes up here. Right? So take a look at this. The slope of this dwarfs like these guys, right? And this sort of plays out for us in something called differential accumulation, something we talked about in ASMR math previously, right? When we talk about disruptive innovation and basically what we're seeing right now is automation in regards to trading stocks, right? From the 1980s, right? 2010, 2019, 1980, coming into play, technology coming into play here, where the people playing that system at this time in 10 years were able to create a fund that in 1994 if you put a hundred dollars in it gave you a return of twenty two thousand six hundred sixty one dollars that's pretty impressive that's pretty impressive and the multiple on that is did i do the multiple calculation i don't even think i did the whole calculation the multiple calculation is oh what is it it's just two it's 226, right? The multiple is 226 times in a matter of... Oh, and one thing I forgot. This isn't in 2017. It was 2014. So we're actually here. 2010, 2014. It's actually here, right? A little, little bit out. So it's a dot. It's not on the tick. Right? So you have 226 times a return. And for fun, I, I just... I punched it in. Because this, what, what this return is for this period was 71% return compounded yearly, right? So 71% return. Now think about this. The CPI, the purple, and actually let's put the table on here. The purple here, or sorry, not the purple. Oh yeah, the purple here. This was the min, no, sorry, the pink. The pink was the CPI, right? The pink is the CPI. This was supposed to compensate for inflation, right? And inflation is supposed to be around two, two to three percent per year. These guys were getting a return of seventy-one percent per year, right? Renaissance, Rentec. Let's call it Rentec. Okay, that's these guys here. And for fun, what I did was I took that measure, that growth. And I applied it, come on, stick away. And I applied it, hey. And I applied it from 1900. And I took, we did the thing here. I took $100 and I did it from 1920. I didn't even do it from 1900. I did it from 1920 because initially I was just gonna do things from 1920. Your return was to, if you put $100 in 1920, which is 1910, 1920, we're not going to write the numbers because it doesn't make sense. Right. If you put the number here, $100, 1920, right? Your return was 2 times 10 to the 23. <laughs> Two times 10 to the 23, 71%, the same rate of return as this. So if you want to visualize where this graph is, because all you really need to do is take the line created here, right? Over here, let's do it with the ruler. Okay. So because the growth rate is going to be the same, right? The growth rate to a certain degree is rise over run, right? Basically, it's going to be, right? Uh, the percent rate on it anyway compounded but what you can do is just get an approximation of where this is going to go 
Use the same slope and just transpose this over here. And keep in mind that each one of these ticks is log 10. And what this was is 10 to 23. You could buy the world, maybe? I don't know. It's past trillions, right? I should have actually figured out what that word is to describe 2 times 10 to the 23. Now, going back to more realistic, or not realistic, this is realistic, right? This company, the same company had, and this was a private fund, by the way. Uh, you, only had, you could only have connections to be able to buy in that fund or a lot of wealth to be able to buy in that fund. It wasn't open to the public. This same company had funds existing for a certain period there where they lost a certain percentage. So the slope was down, right? Those were the public funds that you could invest in. The private ones, slopes were like this, the two I looked at. And the public ones, there was only two public ones they had or one public one. That one public one was a declining investment, not a good investment, right? Take that however way you want. Okay. Now what we're gonna do is take a look at another place where you could have stored your wealth in a big way in a big way okay and that's in art right because art has been one of the greatest investments you could have made over time okay and that investment we're going to talk about something that's dear to my heart if you're watching watching these videos we're going to take probably the most important comic book on the market since we're doing we've reached a level where we're talking about extremes Right? As soon as we hit this, we've hit extremes, returns, right? So let's do something that's compatible to this. Art is one of the best places you could have invested in. Paintings, well-known painters, their prices, they're astronomical. I don't follow that market, but I do follow the comic book market, right? So if you bought Action Comics number one, the first appearance of Superman, I'm just going to put Superman here. Superman. But it's action comics number one. Oh, I've got to write this the other way. Really, it's not Superman. Action comics. But I'm going to call it Superman so we know what it is. Superman. So if you bought action comics number one in 1938, because it came out in 1938, its price was 10 cents, right? This price was 10 cents. So 19, and it's 1938, so let me put this here too. Let's do that, let's make enough room for it. 10 cents. Nineteen thirty-eight. okay. So that's 1910, 1920, 1930, 1938 is here. So let's see. 10, 20, 30. So we're here. 1930. And you bought it at 10 cents. So you basically, you, I should have had another scale here. My bad. Right? I totally forgot about that. Right? Because one, then 10 cents would be here. Right? So let's not make it. 10 cents let's make it you bought 10 of them just to so we can put it on this graph right initially i'd gone and by the way 10 cents in uh, 1938 was equivalent to dollar 73 uh, and in 2017 dollars right so 10 cents was dollar 73 in 2017 dollars so even the price of comic books hasn't stayed up with you know surpassed the CPI measure, right? If comic books had only stuck with CPI, took the rate of inflation into consideration, we should have been able to buy comic books at $1.73 in our stores right now. But comic books cost $5 right now. Three, well, anywhere between $3 to $5 right now, your basic comic book, right? So that's gone up huge as well. That hasn't, that's sort of showing you where the CPI really doesn't take into consideration certain things. So instead of buying one, 
Action Comics number one. Let's say we bought 10, so that makes it a dollar, right? So let's say it's $1. 1938. And we're sitting right here. Nineteen ten, nineteen twenty, nineteen thirty, nineteen forty. So we're sitting right around here. Oops. So that's Action Comics number one. Okay. Since I only did the calculation for one of them, I'm gonna have to multiply this. But basically, what happened in two thousand and fourteen and two thousand sixteen, I believe, as well. Action Comics number one, uh, the higher grade ones. Uh, which is grade nine. Nine means it's very fine near mint, right? Near mint minus, like that's, it's in good quality, it's in good shape. Sold for $3.2 million, right? So 10 cents, if you bought it, and if you kept it in good shape, would have returned $3.2 million, right? One dollar, you know, 10 of those, if you assumed it was gonna keep the same value, okay? Because if you had if you had ten, then it wasn't as rare as it is now, right? Because I don't I believe it's less than ten that are uh, graded at uh, point nine point zero, right? I think there's only four or five of those around. But I actually live in a city right now, Victoria. I talked to a comic book store owner that told me that he actually personally knows five people that have Action Comics number one in their possession, lower grades. I don't know what the grades are. We didn't, we didn't talk about it, but I'm assuming it's lower grades as well. But supposedly there's five of them in my city alone. That's one reason I moved to the city as well. It's got a huge comic book history to it. Uh, a lot of comic book people here, okay? But 10 cents would have got you 3.2 million, so 10 of them would have got you 32 million. Pretty sweet. If the value kept the same. And just to give you um, a comparison of five, a 5.5, um, Action Comics number one sold for about a million dollars. So the different pr the different price between the nine and the five point five was two million dollars three times, right? But basically, one dollar investment in Action Comics number one in nineteen thirty eight would have got you thirty two million dollars. How am I going to put this on here? That works. Okay. $32 million. Wow. I hadn't planned on doing 10 comic books, so we're actually up here, right? We're above scale. So we're gonna what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna extend this. Oops. And we're basically up here. If it kept the same value, right? One dollar, thirty-two million dollars, uh, thirty-two million times your return. Wow, right? And the slope of this is combat compatible to this one, right? It's compatible to these guys. The return of these guys right. one big difference it is less these guys were able to get that kind of return in a short period of time right now let's kick it down a notch and take a look at uh, the wages that we earn how have wages varied over time okay now in 1900 in 1938, I did it for 1938 because um, we had data available for that. I also looked at salaries. So let's talk about salaries. In 1938, basically, hourly wage was uh, 25 cents an hour. Okay, so if that's a dollar, so we're back down here again below this. So we're not going to look at hourly wages, but just to give you a heads up, an hour. Your, the minimum wage was 25 cents an hour, and right now the minimum wage is minimum wage is 7.2 dollars um, an hour. Okay. In 1968, 
the minimum wage was 1.6 dollars so 1960 so if we're talking about i should make the ticks here what are we at? That's 1940, 1950, 1960, that's 1970. 1970, the minimum wage was $1 something, $1.60. And right now, it's 7.5, 7.2. So if we do the minimum wage, right? Min wage. Min wage. Let's throw this on here for, for the fun of it. So minimum wage is this guy here, the orange. Okay. Minimum wage was a dollar sixty. Dollar sixty in nineteen sixty-eight. Dollar sixty in nineteen sixty eight, nineteen forty, fifty, sixty, seventy. So dollar sixty is like here. And minimum wage right now is seven twenty-five. Seven twenty-five. Okay. And that puts you about here. If you're doing minimum wage, you're out of the game, right? Because one thing you have to consider is you look at these guys, right? This was the S&P, okay? This was gold, right? So gold was above S&P. If you come over here, the S&P, both the minimum and the maximum, are above gold so that means if you consider these to be systems right and they are systems or different economic systems if you're invested in gold you could have easily bought into the S&P right but over here if you're invested in gold it's not as easy to buy into the S&P you get less of the S&P for your gold so what's happening when you see a crossover right with the slopes with the lines when you see a crossover basically jumping from an upper system to a lower system is easy to do because it's based on its US dollars based on its currency value is valued more so you can jump into it but when one system is above another system it's way more difficult to jump into the other system right this economic system if you want to invest in right or you have to buy a smaller chunk so over here you know I don't know what gold prices were here hundred dollars but if you're investing in gold here and these guys are up here or action comics is up there you hard time hard time if you look at 1938 the minimum wage in 1938 was uh, 25 cents right so you could have bought you work two and a half hours, you could have bought one action comics, right? If you worked, you have to, uh, sorry, you could have, for one hour, you could have bought two and a half action comics, right? So if you worked an hour, right? Uh, you worked four hours, which is a dollar, you could have bought 10 action comics, right? If you bought 10 action comics in 1938 with your 25 cent minimum wage income right you were in the game for all of this right in 2017 and before that but the price of action comics hasn't gone up in that that amount i believe in 19 uh or superman number one i can't remember if super number one action comics i'm pretty sure it was superman number one not action comics number one which we're talking about in 1970 was worth a hundred dollars in 1980 superman number one was worth twelve hundred dollars and i remember in 1994 which is right here 1992 1993 action comics number one sold for hundred and sixty thousand dollars and at that time was breaking records right so action comics number one let's put this up here too action comics number one because i know this i heard about this in uh at a convention i believe hundred and sixty thousand dollars 
94. Let's say 92. I think it was 92. Okay. And let's put the dot there. So 1992 cost you $160,000, 10000 I forgot to put a little tick on the 100000 here. So 1992, which is about the same as 1994, this thing costs you this much, $160,000, right? Not $200,000, $200,000 would be up there a little bit more. $160,000, oops, 94 is going to be further over, isn't it? It's going to be here. Hopefully I'm doing this right. Maybe. So it was like here, right? That would be Action Comics number one. It pretty much fits a linear scale on a logarithmic graph, which is a good thing, right? It could have maybe done this a little bit. Price gone up or fluctuated, comes down. On a log scale, it's difficult. Looks like a linear line to a certain degree, right? So if you bought four Action Comics number ones in 1938, working minimum wage, four hours of time, stored that over time, right now, in 2017, you could have $32 million. So keep this in mind. In every period in our lives, right, there are times where even though you're not in one of these systems, there are investments you can make that could possibly increase your slope, give you a better return than what you're in right now, right? If we go back to the minimum wage here, in 1968, the minimum wage, is that where we were? The minimum wage uh, puts you a dollar, uh, $7.25, right? That's the slope there. So if you're here right now, you should be thinking, what type of systems can you invest in here, possibly closer to your range here, that can kick you up down the road into a higher return right you're looking for a steeper slope are there any steep slopes coming in right and there are there are okay um while we're on this actually let's do the salaries as well um, because i'm the salaries we're just going to do one salary uh from 1900 uh, because that way we can put it on the scale here right the average income in 1900 okay individual income in 1900 across the board was $438 which is equivalent to like $12,000 in 2017 uh, dollars right if you take the deflation or rate of inflation into consideration devaluation of your currency but we're still going to stick with the $1,900 right so $438 in 1920 was $1,400 but we're going to stick with the 1900 so 1900 average salary was 438 dollars okay 438 minimum wage salary so this should really be salary as well wage 438 would be around here okay and the average average salary right now this was you know depending on different measures you could measure average salary individual salary or you could measure average income per household i took one of the one of the measures like personal average for one person is thirty thousand dollars household is fifty six thousand dollars that's basically usually one person full-time at least and one person part-time or two people full-time but the average i took as being forty eight thousand okay on a log scale it's not gonna these numbers and based on the other graphs that we have are not going to make that much of a difference right so forty-eight thousand dollars so that's ten thousand that's twenty-two thousand forty-eight thousand would be around here maybe a little bit lower but i don't want to overlap too much right so what we have to do is take a look at the slope and that's the slope there that's the slope there right the multiple is 110 times 
And the multiple here is not 110 times. <laughs> multiple here, we could just do it, but the multiple here is. That, that. Oh, let's just do it. We got 7.25 divided by 1.6. It's 4.5 times. And there's different states have different minimum wages. Massachusetts has the highest one right now at $11. Okay. So if you're making just a salary, right? If you're making hourly salary, you need to think about systems. If you want to function in the society, if you want to have better returns, better growth, because that's what this is sort of about, then you need to think about different systems that you can put your money in, okay? One other thing we're going to take a look at, two other things we're going to take a look at. We're going to look at home prices, okay? Home prices in 1900 were seeing a bubble. They were seeing a peak. In 1900, home prices, an average home cost around, this is what I came across, it was hard to find this information, really difficult to find this information, it was around $5,000, okay? In 1920, the average home price was $3,000. So 5000 3000 So they're saying $5,000 here was the average home price in 1900. And in 1920, which is this tick here, is around 3000 so around here. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to take the average. I'm going to make it $4,000. Home. Let's make this home. House. Not home, but house. Okay. So light green is house. And... Let's put the average price in 1900 $4,000. And keep in mind, you know, what type of houses you were getting at that period. Keep in mind that most places didn't have electricity, right? $4,000 will be around here, right? So those are houses. I should have brought other tape. Oh, I do have other tape. Let's tape these down. That way they're not sticking up. So $4,000 was average house in 1990. And in 2017, the average house in the United States, the median, then the median house is not the average, the median house, and the median is, we're gonna talk about this when we do series on statistics, but median is the middle number, is $370,000. $307,000, that was the median. So $300,000. So, no, oh, I put in too many zeros in this one. Silly me. That's a million. We got, let's make this one. And that should be $100,000. Right? Of all the places to make little mistakes, right? So that's $100,000. So it's going to be $307,000, which is going to be somewhere around here, right? That's what a house is. And that's the slope there, right? And the multiple on that thing is going to be 307 divided by 4,000. It's 76 times your return, right? Gold was divided by 20 was 61 times right inflation was supposed to be only 27 times right your money's devalued 96 percent right this loss is purchasing power right what's this guy that's the minimum wage your wage has only gone up was it a hundred times? 
110 times, but house prices have jumped up. Seventy-six times. Not bad, considering your wages, I guess. You have to work 10 years to buy a house here? Well, less than 10 years. It's about the same, okay? But there's a big difference in, in living expenses, right? Your purchasing power, your cost of living, interest rates. Actually, interest rates are pretty low right now. Very nicely low, okay? Now we're gonna look at one more thing, one more measure. And that's something that's playing out right now. It's coming to play because of the same reason that these guys were in play, right? Renaissance technologies, Renaissance technologies, how they've come to play, right? Using automation, computer power to generate wealth, right? Wealth that we can measure with US dollars, okay? One thing that's come into play recently is something we talked about. I sort of gave you my opinion on it, which is cryptocurrencies, right? And it comes, when it comes to thinking about them as investing or you thinking about them as currency or thinking about them as commodity, for me, cryptocurrencies are sort of faith-based, trust-based, and they also have certain aspects of a commodity because they're based on scarcity. One of the reasons that the US dollar has depreciated lost 96% of his purchasing power, right? Is because, because there's more and more being printed, right? It's just being flooded uh, with currency, with US dollars, right? It, to a level where 10 years ago in 2000, and I can't remember, 2008, 2009, 10, they stopped reporting the M3, I believe, the monetary, how much money was being on the large scale, how much money was being dumped into the markets. And that's one of the reasons we're seeing the S&P, the S&Ps are this guy, the S&P at these levels, right? So let's take a look at Bitcoin as far as cryptocurrencies goes because they're, they're considered to be currency, but they're based on scarcity and to a certain degree, the hurdles that Bitcoin faces or cryptocurrencies face that are based on scarcity is to get them into circulation, to increase their velocity, okay? And once they increase their velocity, then what happens? They start changing hands more often. But since they're based on scarcity, most or a lot of people might be holding on to them expecting for the value to go up because it's based on scarcity right um i gave you my opinion regarding cryptocurrencies and right now i'm not holding any cryptocurrencies as of mid-july okay um and if you want to know my opinion regarding cryptocurrencies further uh, that video is the place to be and again please keep this in mind this is not financial advice okay so cryptocurrencies, the history of Bitcoin is this. Well, you can take a look at the history, but the price of Bitcoin is this, okay. In, I believe in 2008 or so, 2000, 2009 or so, someone tried to sell 1,000 or 10,000 Bitcoins for $30 and there was no takers, okay. So it was very hard to get rid of your currency. It wasn't very liquid, right? Uh, It lacked liquidity and liquid liquidity, and it was very volatile, and it is still very volatile. But in 2009, you couldn't really sell bitcoins. You know, we're talking about hundreds or thousands for a little bit of money. But in 2010, the price of bitcoin was six cents. Right? Again, we're off the scale. We're in the decimals here. Okay. So, six cents. Let's convert this to a dollar. So all we do is just one divided by six. Oops, not one divided by six, one divided by 0 0.06. You could have bought yourself, what? Oh, 100. 100 divided by six. You could have bought yourself 16. Yeah. 
you could apply yourself. I'm just checking, making sure. Because in uh, uh, $2,017, six cents was only seven cents, but that doesn't really make a difference. So you could have bought yourself 16 Bitcoins, right? So let's make this, leave this as a dollar. We got the Bitcoin up there, so $1, $1 in 2010. Let's put that here. $1 in 2010. So that's 2020, 2010 is right here. That's 2000, so 2010 right here. That's really when the game began for Bitcoin, okay? And Bitcoin right now, the last I checked, its price was around 2,600. So if you bought 16 of them times 2,600, oops, 16 times 2,600, is dollars. $41,600. $41,600. $41,600. Make sure I got all this correct. I don't want to give you guys the wrong data. Forty-one thousand six hundred. Okay, so we're here. Bitcoin, forty-eight thousand, forty-one thousand six hundred. So we're here somewhere. Okay. In two thousand and seventeen, I'm gonna put it a little bit off. Uh, no, let's put it on the line. Okay. Now, the slope of this. Is much steeper than the slope of this right much steeper how much steeper you could take the slopes you could take the slopes but I'm not really going to get into that game right now basically the the multiple from these guys Renaissance was Renaissance was 260 230 let's say the multiple of Bitcoin is four one six zero zero divided by one forty the multiple of bitcoin is forty one thousand right this is what happens when you use trusted calculators you refer to them for the most simple calculations right so this was 230 and this slope is forty one thousand this is blowing away anything else really okay superman was pretty good Superman is really good, right? Superman's fantastic. Oh, did I divide by 10 on this one? No, it was a multiple, it was $1. $1 of this, yeah. Same deal to a certain degree. Okay, so this is something you have to really keep in mind um, when it comes to economic systems at play. And, uh, you know this ties into to what we are talking about in series four of the language of mathematics when we're talking about jumping from one system to another system because this is what we really have to keep in mind when we're thinking about personal finances is the different economic games that play right and we just talked about two four six eight nine of them only nine right there are multiple other things you can invest your time and energy and your your funds and right there's different types of if you're thinking about buying a home, there's real estate, there's different types of real estate you could buy. There are different types of cryptocurrencies you could buy. There are different types of funds. There are different types of comic books, right? This is one of the best returns, but there are other comic books that have given you phenomenal return in shorter periods of time as well, right? Walking Dead, Har Walking Dead number one, Harbinger number one, right? Um, first appearance of Venom, right? First full appearance of Venom, amazing, um, Spider-Man 300, right? Not phenomenal return like this one, or walking that return, but there are other returns. Saga number one, those are shorter periods of time. Those are in this time frame we're talking about here, right? You know, a few dollars investments gets you a few hundred or a few thousand, right? So if you're, you know, think about it, which system are you functioning in? If you're system in, functioning in a lower down system where your returns aren't as much as you'd like, then you can take a look at these systems, see if they're 
models are valid, if you plan on saving to jump into those systems, or if you're in this system, there are lower down systems that are coming into play, which are going to surpass your growth rate, your, you know, over time will preserve your wealth or increase your wealth at a lot uh, better rate than the system you might be invested in, okay? And again, keep in mind that this isn't, uh, this isn't financial advice. This is just quantifying the different economic systems we have at play and uh, taking a look at how they vary because when it comes to personal finance, when it comes to wealth, we're thinking about growth, but this is only the things that seem tangible to us right now there are non-tangible to a certain degree things that we haven't quantified that are worth a lot worth more than this give you returns much more than this right there are different types of currencies at play this is the us dollar there are local currencies at play right when when certain economies to a certain degree go under stress all of a sudden disruptive innovation comes into play and new opportunities arise right Greece being one of them during the financial crisis for Greece where basically if you look at government statistics they give you unemployment rates that are huge they give you GDP that is very low all the stuff happening but GDP is a measure of what the government is keeping track of or can keep track of and the taxes that that they're collecting so GDP I know I'm going off a little bit here but we are going to touch up on on this stuff but I want to really emphasize the point um, using Greece as an example but Greece the GDP of a country is basically how much taxes a country is taking in and how much money they have how they're how they can manage their finances right they are they're basically looking at this but at a larger scale right but once the financial crisis hit Greece what happened was the taxes went up the services that the government was providing went down certain banks closed their doors they confiscated certain types of funds certain funds especially in cyprus right all of a sudden people have to scramble and had to uh adjust to the system and they basically came up with disruptive innovation and in greece there were basically barter systems put in place where uh, people were doing trade on a personal level right they weren't trading everything into a currency and then using the currency as the exchange of medium, right? The what they use to be able to trade between each other, they just bypassed the currency and did straight trades. And websites came into play and different types of technology came into play where people could go on there and offer certain goods or services and exchange those for other goods and services, right? This isn't the only thing in play. Everything is not necessarily measured in dollars or currencies that lose their value over time but since most of us are forced into the system we really have to think about other systems that have more potential more growth okay that will either preserve our wealth and um, or give us a certain type of growth whatever type of growth we're thinking about and one of the most important things we have to keep in mind when we talked about at the beginning of this video is make sure you diversify do not do not be in one system because if things go wrong some of these things may do a about turn and start having a negative return right devaluing losing their worth losing their you might start losing your wealth so make sure you're diversified but diversify in systems you either know right or systems where you can get the information and spend the time required to understand how the systems operate or hire someone to give you financial advice regarding whatever it is that you're planning on investing your time and energy on right i think that's enough yeah yeah that's a fair bit to think about and that's a good place for us to sort of do a pause uh, sort of finish off these set of videos anyway when it comes to personal finance um, it's pretty important 
to think about these things and you know your weighting doesn't have to be the same in all of them you could do what the CPI does right have the measure your wealth invested a little bit in this a little bit in that a little bit in that a little bit in that and keep in mind things that are usually generally more steeper slope they have a faster income growth rate exponential growth rate that only lasts for a certain period of time keep your time frame in mind right are you gonna be invested for 117 years I don't think so average lifespan in the United States and Canada is I think for males anyway it's 82 high 70s let's say 80 mark for both Canada and United States both male and female right well if you're 80 you know where are you gonna function for a certain period of that time you're a child right for certain that time you're not working right so what what's your work time frame timeline right from when have you started working to when can you continue working or will you continue working to generate income to invest in certain systems where you will not lose your wealth you will at least maintain your wealth right I hope um, this did a good little uh, summing up of what we talked about so far and what we have to keep in mind and this stuff is directly going to link into series four of the language of mathematics and we're going to talk a lot more about this and delve down into some of these systems one of the ones we're going to delve and give you a little heads up one of the ones we're going to delve into at some point is comic books and I've laid out some uh, videos a set of videos I'd like to do on that and basically quantify investing in comic books a little bit more than the way they've been quantified right now because it's very subjective of what a worth of a comic book is if you're in the industry if you know if you know what I'm talking about uh, the grading system is is one way people are going with slabbing comics and stuff like this but I like to take a look at the numbers and quantify some of those numbers and I've done some research into it and I've picked pick, put together some data some tables and uh, at some point we will be uh, talking about this a lot more okay um, and I guess that's about it I hope you enjoyed this set of videos it was fun to create uh, it took a little bit of time um, sorry for the slow progression of these uh, of these videos but uh, I really lost myself in the data and really enjoyed looking at the stuff and trying to figure out a way of what a good way is to present this information okay and that's it for now i'll see you guys in the next video